What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Surf and Sales podcast. For a split second there, I didn't know if we'd get it there today because Richard could not find the record button. There's a lot of jokes there. Welcome once again to the Surf and Sales podcast. I'm Scott Lease, one of your co-hosts and co-founder of the Surf and Sales Summit. Got a couple tickets left. Check it out at surfandsales.com. Richard, congrats on finding the record button. We are here. That's good. And, you know, the good news is I, I found the mute button, too. So I made sure. I <laughs> it's a bi-directional button. That's what you're talking about. <laughs> Pretty much. Needs to yeah. be for me anyway. Uh, I'm, I'm super excited. I'm super excited for this conversation because, Richard, as you have been evangelizing now as well, we're not talking about go-to-market anymore. We're talking about go-to-network. I was very happy to see you talking about this. This was unplanned. You talking about this. Correct. When did I talk about it? Everyone's talking about it. I don't know. It. You, 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 you were on some uh, somebody else's podcast and, and, oh, and you, you talked about it. You listen to another podcast. You don't listen to podcasts. Oh. No, I well, to be fair, I didn't listen to the podcast. I saw the post promoting the podcast. That uh, you were on. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Anyway, we're, we're gonna be talking to uh, the founder and CEO of a company called Refer In, which is in this go-to-network, referral selling, co-selling, nearbound, network-led growth, whatever you want to call it, kind of competing terminology these days. Um, his name is Joel Rodriguez. We're gonna bring him onto the show in just a second, but first. Richard's going to introduce HubSpot and tell us what they're up to. Yeah, thank you to HubSpot and the HubSpot Podcast Network. Um, you know, as we as we move into this AI world, right, um, which I'm sure will be a topic at their big inbound conference this fall. Uh, you know, if you don't know about ChatSpot or their content assistant that are baked into the HubSpot CRM, um, it'll help you whip up reports. It'll get copy inspiration. It'll pull summaries for you. All this kind of stuff that you're trying to do faster. Um, and we really appreciate how they're trying to approach this in the understanding that we have a lot of workflows. We've gotten more efficient to a certain degree with CRMs. However, even that needs some help. And that's where their stuff on the AI side comes in. So please check out, uh, HubSpot.com and, and check out their AI platforms and performance, uh, reports. So Scott, I will turn it back to you to reintroduce our good friend, Joel. Yeah, once again, Joel Rodriguez, the CEO and founder of Referin. Welcome to the show, Joel. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Really excited to be here. Yeah, tell everybody uh, real quick, like, what is Referin and what are you working on? Yeah, Referin is a platform that helps companies leverage their, their networks to get more meetings with buyers. So we help companies get more warm introductions and uh, so that they can sell their product and enable them to increase their pipeline. Uh, been working on this for uh, a couple of years now, about five years now. So I've been deep in the space and uh, just been uh, awesome to see how this movement of people leveraging their networks and go to network has been gaining momentum uh, as we've seen uh, the trend of cold outreach and the traditional means of getting meetings continue to decline. So uh, that's a quick overview. Yeah, that's great. The interesting thing here, Richard, if you paid attention, is Joel's been working on this for five years. So I would yeah. say that he is three and a half to four years earlier than me. And so what I want to know is like, what did you see or feel that that made you go, wait a second, I can see where this is going, 
if we keep doing what we're doing and that's not going to work, there's got to be a better way. What was it? Because you, you tipped off on it way before I was. Great, great, great question. Uh, I was leading sales teams. So before doing referring, I led four sales teams in New York. They were marketing tech sales teams. They uh, and from a number of go-to-market positions from seed all the way to B, C round companies. So I saw the whole go-to-market motion. And the biggest problem that I had as a sales leader was always getting more meetings. It was always generating pipeline. And sales is an iterative process fundamentally. So it's like always trying to find the point that is limiting and iterate on that point. And the solution was at the time was hire another SDR. And now it's still almost hire another SDR because fundamentally we can only depend on marketing for so many leads. And then right now the main means of getting to market is through cold outreach. So that hasn't changed shockingly. I mean, you would think that, I mean, back then it was over 50% of meetings easily were through email. Now it's pretty close to that. Maybe there's a few other channels that are creeping in but it's still largely, it's largely cold. So when I, uh, when I was running a team at my last company, uh, we had to switch uh, markets. So I, uh, we were a seed stage company and it was kind of do or die. We were going after retail e-commerce and had to go and shift to technology companies. And I needed to generate a new pipeline, a bunch of meetings. And the only way that I could do that was leverage my network. I was able to generate like 25 meetings in a month and it was all through my network. And I, it was like a light bulb went off and was like, wait a second, if this is how we get meetings, why can't we get the whole sales team to do this? And that was the problem I wanted to solve. It's like, how do we get sales teams to take advantage of not only their network, but the company's network and now effectively manage a process so we can take advantage of the best way to get in touch with customers, yeah. which is through networks or through warm introduction. Is the, is the first real unlock here the size of your network? And if so, isn't that all the more reason that people should be actively building up their network? I mean, shouldn't it be like a daily KPI the same way leaders are like, how many cold calls did you make today? Shouldn't it be like, how many new connections did you make today? See, that's, a, that's also a very digital way or new age way of thinking about that conversation. Most of my network is built, you know, through in-person relationships or working at jobs or through Fair, meetups yeah, sure, and stuff like sure, that. It's sure. interesting how yeah. we think about networks is the number of connections on LinkedIn. Um, but I'll step back and say, it's, um, I think you have a great point. Building your network is going to be hugely important for everybody. And uh, even building a following on these social platforms and becoming an expert in your space that you're selling to and reaching your customers by actually helping them and serving them is what you should be thinking about. Um, so fundamentally, yes, you want to be networking, but I think it's not a requirement to have the biggest network. I think what is because what we can do with leveraging technology is take advantage of the network of the whole sales team and a whole company, all the executives, the investors, the advisors. So it's a team effort. So I think what's happening is you're gonna see this go to network movement is right now, it's, a, it's a, a game of every man for themselves. Everyone has their own, every salesperson, AE, SDR has their own LinkedIn network 
and their choice of how to get use that network or, or get to market is only through that small network. I think what we'll see is platforms come online that let uh, that let SDRs and AEs take advantage of broader network, whether that's the network of the company, investors, advisors, customers, partners, communities. Right? There's going to be more of a, a connectivity and a more of an opportunity to go beyond your network and execute on warm introductions. And that's going to be an like by technology. Zuckerberg. I'm listening to Zuckerberg as he was in his first pitch to the VCs back in the day of the connections of community. So, <laughs> I, love it. I, I, have a, I have a question though. Um, as soon as Scott asked that question about leveraging the network or growing your network, I often wonder if the, the first place is the mindset of the rep. So often, I think some reps are very comfortable asking for that introduction or who do you know? Others aren't. And I think they aren't because they don't know what to say or how to say it. There's no playbook, quote unquote, written. What is that message? Right. So, you know, you know, as, as you think about this and as you build refer in, you know, what are some of those first messages I could send to someone, you know, like I, Joel, you and I have just really met today. We, we know yep. each other on LinkedIn and stuff, but how would I approach, and granted, it's your business. Let's assume you didn't have refer in. How do I approach a guy like Joel? Yep. Who I met, um, you know, inbounds coming up for HubSpot. I meet someone at their conference. How do I then go and try to leverage that, you know, through some additional referrals? Yeah. Uh, great question. I'll get back to messaging. Take a step back. And what you said in the beginning is a lot of reps don't know how to take advantage of their network or take advantage of the complex process of asking for an introduction. And that couldn't be more true. I, what I've seen in my sales teams is I was able to take advantage of my network because I was a former CEO and sales leader. And that's a fundamental part of my job. But if you look at it, normal, like the average AE or SDR, they are not comfortable reaching out to their network, asking a favor of someone in their network that is not expecting it, who probably doesn't know their product to make an introduction to someone that that person probably doesn't know what. That's the motion we're talking about, right? And, and that has to change and it changes, right? But how do you enable this, you know, long tail of eight? Like, so there's going to be one or two reps that are, are good at this. They have big networks. They, they are comfortable asking those networks for introductions. It's what, like a couple on each sales team and the sales leader. And then what we want to empower, though, is the rest. Those people you're asking the question about, which is I don't, I'm not comfortable asking my network um, or I don't have a big network. So how do we do how it? Do what I do we get tell them? The yeah, get, get to the, get so, to the so, Yeah. So the point is, one, you have to identify who you want to be asking. So who's the target? You have to be specific. You can't just say, I want to get in touch with someone in sales at HubSpot, right? The first part is identifying the, the buyer or the, or the person that you want to get the warm introduction to, right? So that's, that's step number one. That requires now clicking a lot of times on LinkedIn. And again, we'll get easier with technology. But once you identify that person, then it's about empowering that other, the, the middleman or the referrer, as we call them, to make that introduction in the most easily ma easy manner possible and to say no in the most easy manner possible. And the first email um, that usually goes something like this, I'm looking, um, you know, something personalized. I'm looking to get in touch with HubSpot. Here's the reasons. Here's how I can help them. 
do you know, and, and mentioning the name of the specific person and why you want to get in touch with that specific person, how you help them. And then asking the question, would you mind making an introduction? The process then goes back to the AE or SDR with a yes or no, four to five times is a no because they don't know the person well. Then it goes, if, if it's a yes, then an email has to go back to the middleman with a forwardable message that then gets sent to the target, which is the buyer, whoever we're trying to get in touch with HubSpot, who then responds to the middleman, right? Which then puts them in touch. That's drop off, drop off, drop off, drop off. Yeah, so the, com the complexity of that is like exhausting for people. It, it, well, it's 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 so overwhelming and so it's so hard to to actually. It's so more time intensive to do this because. Oh, there. But Scott, is it more exhausting than making fifty phone calls and getting no one to pick up? No, and that and that's what people need to realize. Right. Exactly. But it does take time because you have to put in the time because the other thing is when you said, I want to get in touch with HubSpot and I see my friend as a connection to HubSpot. Well, you need four or five friends that are connected to HubSpot before you're going to get that introduction for sure. That's right. Because people, and you know what? Up, that means you have to, people screw up that you need to do it at scale. Yes. You can't just have one person. Totally you, right. have to, you have to ask a bunch of people. Yeah. yeah. Well done. That's totally right. So now you're asking your rep. To, to not only ask for one introduction, but to ask for four. So not so all that time putting together has to be like a sales process, right? Has to be a process. This is a sales process. So what we're going to see is that we're making this one-off, you know, I need a warm introduction to an account. How can we systematize it, right? Because sales is fundamentally about creating repeatable processes. And it's crazy that the number one way to get in touch with customers. I was in a bad situation at Rebel. I need to get build a pipeline out of nowhere. I went to my number one way, my network of getting in touch with people, right? But the number one way we don't know sales team today has a systemized process to, to create warm introductions. What they do is they hope that their reps are using their, their networks and figuring out this complex process on their own and asking multiple times hoping to get introductions. And right now, that's why we're seeing that warm introductions, but an ocean of opportunity. Yeah. And that opportunity is systemizing the process and creating a way for teams to take advantage of their company's network. Yeah, and, and, that's, and that's the kind of like momentum and hype, if you will, that you're starting to see bubble up. You're, you're seeing more, you're seeing lots of companies pop up like yours to try to solve this problem. You're seeing... Uh, practitioners think about this thing as they know that their results are not where they need to be right now. You're seeing um, consultants and, and advisors and creators who are talking about this kind of stuff. You're seeing big, huge companies um, have people come to their conferences and speak about this kind of thing. There's one kind of interesting objection that I heard the other day. So I want to get your, your take on it. Somebody said, me, somebody said to me essentially, well, isn't AI just going to kill off all prospecting? So like you have this small window in time where you can make this referral led motion work, but actually like in, in a year or two, it'll be pointless anyways. I'm, I'm curious what your, your take is um, 
you know, in, in, in a response to that particular individual who, who asked me something like that? No, it's a great question. Uh, I love AI for what I'm trying to do, which is help uh, sales teams create signal from the messy noise of a crowded inbox of cold emails. Because think about it. What's happening is we went from the idea of predictable revenue now probably 10 to 15 years, over 10 years ago, right? Where we realized that if we send one, we send emails to executives, some percentage of them are going to respond. And then as Scott has uh, eloquently put many, many times, is this is just kind of continued this trend hyperbolically almost at this point. Now we have more sales teams selling more products, using more sales tech solutions that send more emails at scale. So the next piece of that is now we have robots sending more emails at scale that are even more, uh, that is going to be incredible, increase the number of emails in the executive's inbox exponentially. But then you also have the, the experience of the executive, right? Who has to, if they don't know the name of the person in, that they're talking to, has to assume it's a robot. Like they're emailing back. Whoever yeah, the default, the default will be, the default will be, AI. it's an AI. Yeah. Right. So, so you, so what, what, what matters? Relationships, build trust, trusted relationships. And you're not going to respond to anyone in your inbox unless you know them or were introduced to them. And all the algorithms of, of you know, Gmail, Outlook or whatever, who are filtering these are going to have to filter all these AI messages, are going to put the humans up top, the people that you're introduced to. So fundamentally, we're going to a game where we need to create more signal. And the best signal is a trusted introduction. So AI is great because I think it's going to be even more important to build trust with your customers and, with your, uh, and, and, and doing that is going to be through your network or go to network or go to community or whatever we're calling this. Yeah, whatever we want to call it. Go whatever ahead, you want to call it. Yeah. Go ahead, Richard. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to understand, you know, so are you thinking that AI won't be able to do this? I mean, isn't the algorithm again, we're not there yet, but in a year, won't the algorithm figure it out? Won't the algorithm be able to go and theoretically look at my look at my inbox? How many communications have I had with Scott Lease? Okay. And I put into the algorithm, I want to talk to this person. I think they're, you know, who in my inbox, because I've got, you know, 10 years of emails in my inbox, would be the best person to ask for a referral for Scott Lease, right? You know, or from yep. Scott to someone, right? Won't AI solve yeah. that and then craft the message and send it out? Or, and we're not there yet, right? Like right now, it's all yep. about getting better at the prompting, right? Um, Absolutely. So I'm curious to what you, where you think that happens. I think that happens to platforms like Referent. I think the fundamental thing that you need to have a platform that will map, um, you need data, right? And you need that data is also your targets combined with your network data. And that's essentially the motion. What you're saying is creating an agent that will make that process as easy and seamless as possible. And yes, that's going to involve AI is fundamentally what we're doing at Referent. We have a bigger, bigger vision of that, which is not only asking for one introduction to uh, and using only one source of data, we want to so use a lot of sources of data, your inbox, LinkedIn, maybe your social networks, right? Your right. graphs, 
right? And then we want to go after not one company, but all the companies in your book and all the companies in the, in, in the, in the target list of a company. And now you have a complex problem, right? You have to have the best way for a, a, a company to systematically go after their targets through a coordinated approach. And yes, yeah. AI will be a fundamental part of helping that. And, sure. and part of it will be crafting messages, part of it will be optimizing timing and, and how that and connecting the, and how that flow works as well. Yeah, no, it's interesting because, um, you know, I'm also thinking, and I don't know if this is in your platform or not, but part of it's like, okay, I've got 10 years of emails in my inbox, right? Um, yeah. yeah, I have a, I have a um, you know, a regular newsletter that goes out, right? I've got a, a strong email set up around it. So I get good open rates and all those kind of things. Um, part of this is also, to your point, going back to that relationship, how do I nurture my relationship with all these people in my inbox? How do I nurture Joel, right? Three weeks from now, yeah. three months from now. And just, just like, hey, Joel, don't know what you're up to. Just thought say, hey, uh, here's some stuff I'm working on. You know, like. Yeah, yeah. but you can, you can do that without the, here's some stuff I'm working on. I'm, but my, my point being is I wanted to go back through the last, three years of my emails and just send that message out to help to start warm that up. Yes. So that in two or three months, I could come back to Joel. So here's what you should be thinking of. How can I add value to my network? Right. And we're just thinking about email now. You could do that. I mean, these platforms are set up to be doing this, right? Their LinkedIn is set up to give you short sound bites to a large audience, which is your network, where you have an opportunity to essentially take this stage. And it's like the same as if you had five minutes to take a stage, Jake Dunlap, um, I'll shout out, makes this reference, but it's like you have an audience of your followers or the people in your newsletter, right? And you have five, you know, a minute of their time on, it's essentially like broadcasting on stage at a conference to all your customers. If you have those, those followers or customers or all yeah. your you know, referrers, if those are, are people that uh, could help you. So it's like, how do you add value to your network is, is how I think about it. It's, and uh, and that's what you should be thinking about. Right? So it's, it's how do we get better in our drip campaign as an individual, not from the marketing perspective and not from a yeah. perspective. Correct. And I think what the drip campaign is the LinkedIn post. It's a short LinkedIn post, right? Right. Because it's designed to be a drip campaign of, you posting one or a couple of times a week. And you'll see, as Scott knows, that's how you build a follower account. That's how you build a reputation. And because you added value, you become an expert. And then because you're an expert, people trust you, right? And they trust you as buyers and they trust you as people that are referring you because they know you're someone that is you know, worthy of referring. So I, I think that's more, how you do it. I'm gonna ask one more selfish question. For me and yeah. Scott. Is that helpful? <laughs> I don't know. Just, yeah. Have you, because I agree with you about all this network stuff. Have okay. you found or heard, or do you guys as a service go in, connect with my LinkedIn and tell me, here are the 3,000 people of my 50,000 who never, ever engage with me so I can get rid of them? If you make that tool, I will be your biggest customer. <laughs> 
Uh, it's a good question. I think that's a LinkedIn feature that they should make or have. Uh, I know they, I know they have it on Instagram, which you can look at who the people that you least interact with. Um, you know, I don't know if LinkedIn is far behind it. I haven't seen the feature on LinkedIn, but maybe it exists. But yeah, that's a LinkedIn thing because they have the data. And we know that LinkedIn's relatively stingy about their APIs mm -hmm. and letting other people have their data. So it's a, a hard thing for other companies uh, to do. It would be a useful feature if somebody could. Yeah. Out so, so, but let's, let's, let's but turn around you, his head, right? Can tell let's, you let's turn around his head. Yeah, let's talk about the strength of your connections, right? Let's figure out who's most important in your network that the top 500 people that are most likely to help you with an introduction. And that's something that referring can help you with. Because that's what we can do is one way to look at it too. That, that, that right? So we can look at your yeah. inbox. Yeah. We that, can look that, at your inbox and see who you interacted with most. We can look at your LinkedIn and cross-reference that with other social platforms to see and, and your inbox to see who are you most connected to, right? So there's an algorithm that we're able to create that can give you a score, right, of who's most likely to help you. And that's an, I mean, we're, we're getting there. So we started at like no network, right? And then we started building these smaller networks. And now we're at the point of like, our no, like so, so we're at the point now where people have 2,000 person networks is the average I see on like a sales team, right? 1,500 to 2,000. So in that network, there's only going to be a small amount of people that you're willing to ask for an introduction. But because there's only a small amount of opportunities for introductions, it's okay to not really find who's strength, the strength of people's network because it's only 100 people you have to go through. Or yeah. For most people, not you. You would really benefit from strength of the network, which is where we're going. Everyone has a network of thousands of right. people. I got to We need it. Yeah, go ahead. All right, good. I agree with you. And I, so you'll get long-winded. And so I have to interrupt. I'm uh, sorry. Yeah, no, thank you. But that also means you're passionate about it, which is the plus side of this. So like, I'm not- uh, I appreciate I'm, that. It's not a criticism. It means you're very passionate and knowledgeable. So I, I'm, I'm glad to hear those things. But I have to interrupt because we're at that mid-roll place uh, where I've got to uh, mention our good friend, Mr. Mark Roberge, from, who's also on the HubSpot Podcast Network. If you didn't know, Mr. Roberge uh, was a founding CRO at HubSpot. He's a senior lecturer at Harvard Business School. Um, where Scott's only um, talked once or twice to some students from ASU, so it's a big difference. And, um, you know, he has his own podcast called The Science of Scaling, where he brings in very, very uh, specific thought leaders and uh, strategists to talk about the secrets, the strategies, and the tactics of scaling company growth. So if you haven't checked out The Science of Scaling podcast hosted by Mark Roberge, we would love to recommend it. So, um, Scott, now that you're back on camera. Uh, Richard, are you trying to suggest that ASU is somehow inferior to Harvard? Look, all I know is that when I went to U of A, literally our president said we wanted to be the Harvard of the West. That's the Harvard it. of the Southwest. That's what he said. No, he said the West. He, he, oh. had, you know, he, he had big, grand visions. Um, but, you know, that never quite, you know, occurred. So think about where we are right now, Joel, with this process. Yep. Where will this be two years from now, five years from now? 
fast forward in time, like yeah. how is this going to involve? Because you were ahead of the curve and seeing this as, as a need. So now I'm make make the assumption that like you're still seeing around turn three while the rest of us are rounding turn one. Where will we be? Yeah. Where will we be with this process? Not stuff you have built right now. Some of it is maybe not even on your roadmap, but like, where are we headed with this? Sure. Uh, I think it's, it's pretty, uh, yeah, to me, it's pretty obvious. This is going to be a channel. Like it has to be thought of as like, there's a cold email channel and there is a like, or cold channel and a warm channel. And that warm channel is going to be systematized and optimized much like the cold channel is. What happened is it's just much more complicated, so it hasn't been optimized and systematized yet. So we're going to think of where do you get your lead? Well, we get 50% through cold emails. We get 20% through marketing. We get you know 10% through social. And then we get a 10% through a channel that is warm introductions. So now we start think of it, thinking of it like a marketer might think about it. Which is, or like a salesperson might think about it, it becomes a funnel just like everyone, just like everything in sales. It becomes an optimizable process because right now it is an ad hoc process that individuals do. It will become an optimized process that teams do. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It has to evolve that way. It has to evolve that way. There's no other way for it to evolve, right? We have to get more systematized and start treating it like a sales process, like we treat everything else. Yeah, I think the the interesting thing too is that um, you know this this God, I can't remember who it was, but there was a company that did this inside of Salesforce, like they were native in, and it connected all your LinkedIn connections, all your email connections, all those from your company, um, so you could see who was connected at these places, so you could try to prompt that message. They they played the data game, right? Like they played the can't remember who it is. Um, Scott, you might remember. But they played the data game of like, let us be your CRM data. They didn't, and they sort of poo-pooed the, the referral piece. Um, is there a related IQ, related IQ maybe? They, that, that was a, no, no. They it was before they acquired they, a company related IQ. No, they, they, I want to say it was like in, in something. Anyway, but, and they were, they ran like a, they ran like a call center. Like if you, if you didn't make it within, you know, Three weeks, you were gone, Scott. This is back in our leap fish days, right? Mm. Those leap fish, and uh, and uh, yeah, people, you know, don't go Google that. Um, the um, but they, the big difference I see too, like this is something that I saw was back then, the sales reps, you know, ten years ago, we were like, well, wait a minute, why would I let you have access to all my LinkedIn contacts? Why would I give this third-party company that piece, right? That I've been all this time having. Why would I give you my email inbox? Why would I give you all these things? And I think, you know, through the advent of social, right? We've given up so much privacy concern, particularly at a different generation. So I think that's probably a big catalyst for how you're able to do this. That's my hypothesis anyway. So, um, but do you run into that? The reason I'm asking no. into that, do you run into the like, wait a minute, I got to give you all my contacts? Yeah, so, so that's one of the concerns. But what we did with referring at least is focus on the people that are already incentivized to help you make warm introductions. 
Because think about it, the people with the best networks are going to be executives, investors, advisors, and the sales team, right? And sales leaders. And they are so like executives have equity in the company. Investors are investing. They say, I have a great network. Advisors um, are literally brought in to make introductions for you. The sales leaders are most incentivized to get bonuses. And so in the sales team, and they have connections in the network from being in, in sales in those industries, right? And all the sales team is willing to give their networks because the sales leader says, give your networks. And that so, was part of the problem. The leaders what we have, didn't want to do that. The leaders didn't want, they weren't so, comfortable with it. They didn't want to send the message. They felt like they were being cheesy and cheap. Like that was a big piece of it. And, you know, this is 2011 and 12. So I think it's changed a lot. Um, which I'm glad for, like I'm, I'm not opposed to it. So um, right. there's two there's two fundamental shifts that I, if I can cut you off that that we could help change is like one is with the use of technology when you're sharing your network you don't have to share your whole network. Technology can figure out the five percent of your network that is relevant to the sales team that you're helping. That's what I was asking earlier. Yes, that's the part I want to know. I, so that's part. That's what referring does. What we do is we find the most relevant connections in your network. If you're an investor and advisor, the ones that you'd want to show the sales team because you invested in the company because you believe their solution helps customers. Got so it. then the second thing is what you said. The sales leader like, didn't want to do it because it's cheesy. Well, the the sales leader, whoever's making these introductions, better believe that their product no, is a this service, was, can serve its customer, the right people. This, this wasn't so as long as we're getting in touch. Yeah, okay, this good. wasn't those people. This was people like the CTO and the CMO who, you know, they felt they felt dirty trying to do that, right? Like that that mindset we talked about earlier. But um, but anyway, but I think we're at a different spot now. And I'm, and I'm glad to know that it's out there. And, um, you know, glad to know Refer In exists to help, to help people figure it out. Uh, we got to move to our wrap. Um, which really is when we turn it over to you, uh, Joel, and we let you ask a question of us. How can we be of help to you? What would you like to ask us? No, I really appreciate it. I think this has been a great conversation, guys. Um, I'd love to continue this conversation and keep on figuring out how we can evangelize this idea of go to network or use leveraging companies' networks to help them get more warm introductions to prospects and move, please move away from this idea of mass cold emailing and contacting on every social channel, every executive with every AI bot using, yeah. you know, all this technology to- Yeah, but what's your question, Come on, what's your question? <laughs> I, got a, I, need a, I need a question, okay. Um, so uh, what I, I've been thinking about something, we didn't talk about AI that much, um, but yeah, how does AI fundamentally change the, the sales tech landscape? And who, who's the winners and who's the losers? Hmm. Well, I like, the winner, for it. I like the winner and loser angle. Let's yeah. focus on the winner and loser angle. I, I like that. I, I have an opinion here. <laughs> I think uh, the winners, there are going to be different stages of the winners, right? There's going to be people at the top of the funnel, right? There's going to be people in the middle of the funnel and people at the end of the funnel. Um, and that's though the people who win will be the ones who talk to their customers and prospects about how they want to use AI, how they're even perceiving AI. So in my mind, I want to have a conversation with my customers, even though 
you know, I do sales training, I'll be like, how, what are you concerned about with AI? What do you think about? How do you think it's approaching the sales world? Which to your point, Joel, goes back to how do I build a trusted relationship, right? Um, yeah. And then if I'm an AI tool that is going to help someone by using AI, right? Like maybe I sell to, to construction sites or something like that, right? And I've got an AI tool to help them. Well, I need to understand for my customers, how do they even see AI? Do they like it? Are they afraid of it? What's their, you know, what's their comfort level of starting to replace something? And so I think the ones who figure that out will attract the early adopters, right? Which will then help them get, you know, the next round and then the laggards and then across the chasm. I think the chasm thing still exists, right? Um, and I think those are going to be the ones who are the winners, the ones who talk to their prospects and customers and can iterate quickly rather than letting the founder say, this is the problem we're going to solve, right? Um, and, and just letting them drive the product alone. Thanks, Joe. That's a good answer. I think that the losers will be the ones who automate humanity out of all of the business processes that exist. Mm. Yep. I think the winners will be people who find ways to re-inject humanity into how we conduct business. So in many ways, I see us starting from scratch, building up all this fancy stuff that ultimately basically tries to destroy us. And we have to go all the way back to the beginning and going back <laughs> to the beginning is such a unique experience that it starts working again. I love that. And oh, it's so interesting that both, I love that. I, both of your answers involves building trust with the customer implicitly, right? Yes. And, and it only, the evolution of it is how we build that trust. Right? Yeah, I do this all the time in my training is that our job is to get people to fall in trust with us, not to fall in love with us, right? That's like, there's a, there's a chapter of that in my book coming out specifically. Um, but that's really, you know, how I see it. Like, I don't need someone to love me or like me and even to trust me. And if they trust me, then the love and the like could come. But even then, it doesn't mean it's true love, right? I got a lot of rejected prospects who went with somebody else or they made a different decision and didn't do anything. But I know they trust me. They know I didn't bullshit them along the way. So, you know, yeah. it's the karma. Maybe that's the right one. The winners will be the ones who understand how karma works in the humanity of sales. There you go, Scott. There you go. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Scott's Joel, tell everybody. That's going to smoke a bowl on that one and, and think about it tonight. I will. It's <laughs> actually not a bad idea. Joel, tell everybody how they can uh, get in touch with you and uh, and follow up. Hey, everybody. Yes, please go to referin.com and I'll book a demo. I'm happy to talk to you more about how we can use the power of relationships to get you more warm introductions and build a pipeline. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. And uh, we'll see you next time on the Surf and Sales podcast. Good to hang out with you, Joel. Thanks, everybody.